0: Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Lots of people who have joined us over the last few weeks. My name is Josh. I'm the campus pastor here at Arena Mansfield. Isn't it good to be together? Yeah. It really is. I trust that you have had a good start to the new year. It's funny how Lou mentioned Blue Monday. I've had numerous emails about Blue Monday. Um, people trying to you know, make money out of it. <laughs> um, but I want you to know this, I just, uh, just not in my notes, not something I'd thought of previously, but that Bible verse, I can do all things, sometimes we just stop at I can do all things. You can't do all things, but you can through Christ who gives you strength. And if you've been setting goals, if you've been setting new things you want to achieve this year, if you're struggling already, I would suggest it's because you're trying to do it in your strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So if we want to, Continue to grow. If we want to get ready, opportunity waits, take hold. It's got to be through Christ who gives me strength. Because I am believing this year that this isn't just a year of growth for Arena. It is a year of growth for Arena. But because you're a part of Arena, it's a year of growth for you as well. Yes. I want, we, were, we were in a, a leaders meeting this week and we were praying for your growth. Yes. Growth in your life, growth in your business, growth in your family, growth in your environment. Because you're a part of this house. There's something about authority and being undercover that when you submit yourself to it, where God's given his authority, that God can do something through you that he wouldn't do through elsewhere. I had the privilege, it reminds me many years ago of, uh, I was 18 at the time, so like five, six years ago, something like that. And uh, that was too much for laugh. And... Um, I, we, were, we went to, I can't remember how it opened up, but we, we got a chance to go to Hillsong, Australia. And um, we sat, we were one of the, the main guys from the worship team, who if you know Hillsong worship, you would know this guy, came across, he was so good. And uh, came across, sat with us, and um, they were talking about how God was blessing people who had tried to do stuff outside of, the ministry of Hillsong at the time, and nothing really had happened, but when they were inside, when they were under cover of the house, God had just taken them to a world stage, and it had been amazing, and and I believe that's the same for us here, is we're under the authority, under the the house of God, because don't you know that Jesus died for the church and Jesus loves the church, and while we're not perfect here, I am not perfect, like, I know I've got a white shirt on today, but uh, I'm not perfect, Uh, but what we do, what we do do is love Jesus. And we want Jesus to be at the center of all we do. And we want Jesus to be at the heart of all we do. So we are a Jesus church. And I want you to know that Jesus died for his church and Jesus loves his church. Is that right, everybody? That's why we're here today. That's why even before I was on team, I, was, I wouldn't miss a Sunday. Because this is Jesus church. And because Jesus loves it, I love it. And uh, so today we're starting a new series called It's Alive. Touch your neighbor and say, it's alive. It's Actually... One of my favorite, give me a wave if you love T.D. Jakes, he's one of my favorite preachers, the bishop himself. I once heard him give this message and uh, he went, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. And, uh, you know, because it's like get ready, we have to do it. So why don't you touch three people and say get ready? Come on, let's try it. Yeah, that's right, I like it. He, he said, I want you to touch three people and say get ready. <laughs> I can't quite do the walk you know, this morning. But one, one preacher, is, I've heard it attributed to many. One preacher, he, he threw his, I've heard it attributed to Smith Wigglesworth when he was on a train. He threw his Bible on the floor and he went, it's alive. I've heard it attributed to other preachers where they've thrown the Bible on the floor and they say, it's alive. The reality is that the Word of God is living and it's real. And this, uh, this, this, this series that's going to propel us into the new year, we're looking at a few staples, foundations of the Christian life, that if you're not careful can become rituals, but they're not rituals, they are alive. Yes. And today I want to speak about fasting and prayer. They, these things, if we're not careful, we can just go through the motions, tipping our heart to... To God, you know, using things as symbols and and that kind of stuff. It's not that. It's to draw us closer to God. It's so that we can know God. It's so that we can have communion with God. It's so that we can know God personally. We're in this season of of prayer and this week of fasting is coming up. And I know people uh, are fasting across the 21 days. But can I just ask that this week, the reason we wanted to pin it on one week is so that all of us could come together at the same time and fast and pray Together because where there's unity, God commands the blessing. But this is a season where we come together corporately as a church to seek God for what He's gonna do through Arena and what He's gonna do in our lives personally. Do you know? I don't know if you've noticed this didn't happen I don't feel even ten years ago. A lot of the churches that I follow or look at are doing prayer and fasting in January. It's amazing how it's happening across the world, you know, because. What God's doing here in Arena Mansfield is part of a bigger story that he's working out across the world. Is it the Apostle Paul who said the gospel is bearing fruit, growing and bearing fruit across the whole world? And that's true today, isn't it? It's true today. But it's a time where we come to Jesus again and we ask, What have you got for us? Jesus, what have you got for us? We remind ourselves that we aren't living on our own plan, that we aren't living to our own desires, to our own whims and to our own fantasies, but we're living on God's plan. That song by Drake, God's Plan, I don't think he quite theologically got it right, but the the title of the song is correct, that we want to live on God's plan. And what Drake, the rapper, was saying was that, oh, you know, I've got to this place because I'm on God's plan. Well, he's kind of half right, because God's plan is far greater than your plan for your life. And God's plan will take you somewhere where your own plans can't get you. That's the reality of it. But in this season, in previous years, people have been healed, people have been set free, experienced financial breakthrough, have overcome tough situations. And we've seen breakthrough in people's friends and families in, in their relationships with God. And it's a time where people have come back again and rediscovered their purpose in God and ultimately their purpose in life. And I know that we're going to see that happen again this year as we take it seriously i spoke about i mentioned about balance the other week because on one side we have like the fear of god and we have to fear god because you know the fear of man is a snare yeah. so if you don't fear god then you'll fear something else it's like if you don't love god you'll love something else yeah you have your fear fear of, of god over here and on the other side we've got this thing where god's our dad mm-hmm. and god's our friend yeah. and i come to god because i love him and i, I delight in him and so there's like this grace on one side and then there's the truth on the other side. But we want to live in the middle, don't we? Yeah. Where fasting, I think, sometimes in the modern church, we've gone a bit too far this way. Mm-hmm. I'll just do whatever. Yeah. We've maybe watered it down a little too much. Mm-hmm. Where if we're a bit more reverent in this season, if we're a bit more strict with ourselves, yeah. then I believe we'll see breakthrough that we haven't seen before. Yeah. See, I think about my dad. And I know that my dad's for me. I know that I can run to the father again and again and again and again. When I've messed up, when I've got it wrong, I can go to him and I can take it to him. But I want you to know as well that when I'm out of line, I know that my dad will talk to me as well. Because he loves me. And because he's there for me. And sometimes we have to be, be so careful that we, we don't treat God with contempt. And we don't treat his ways with contempt. I think we've all been there sometimes. On the other side, we don't want to live religious, do we? And that's when we just live on one side. We don't want to live religious. Because we've got a dad who loves us and we can come to and we can sit on his knee and we can say, Abba, Father. But when we're speaking about it's alive, we want to talk and look at this whole thing of fasting. In Matthew 6, Jesus talks about fasting. And he says this, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. They disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. We've all seen this person, haven't we? Oh, gosh. Uh, uh, Are you all right? Oh, gosh. (laughs) Oh, Lord, it's been a tough week. Oh, why is that? I've fasted 25 hours a day. There's only 24 hours in a day. (laughs) Do not disfigure your faces to show others they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast... Put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Yeah. Notice here that Jesus doesn't say if you fast, he says when you fast. Yeah. See, fasting needs to be as much of a spiritual foundation in our lives as prayer as worship, as reading the Bible, and as gathering. See, we couldn't dream of saying that we have a strong relationship with Jesus without prayer, for example, or without worship, or without reading our Bible. But we neglect fasting. It's one of the weapons in our armoury, and we're going to look at that in a little while. Maybe this is because we don't understand it as well. Or maybe it's because we've not had a revelation of it. Or maybe it's because it costs us something. See, biblical fasting is denying yourself of food for a period of time to increase the intensity of your seeking God. We starve the body to feed the spirit. And no doubt, this is hard. Anybody else find fasting easy? I did a, I did a three-day fast for the first time ever last year, and I want to tell you, I was a mess. I was like the, I was like the hypocrite, but I couldn't help it. I was on the couch, I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Like the first few hours, I was like, come on hell, I'm going to go and work out, I can do this. <laughs> Let me tell you, I was like 72, it was, uh, was pretty tough. But I did it from a position of saying, God, come on, I want to seek you more. I, I, I want to go deeper, I want to go further, I want to I, I try something new, I want to I keep going. And that's one of the things I'd like to say to, to all of us here, because... Uh, many of us have probably been through this season now for quite a few years. I, I can't quite remember how long we've been doing it, but I'd say it's five to seven years. And if you're not careful, that what once was new and fresh becomes monotonous. And what I was doing uh, for a few years was the Daniel fast. And if you, if you want to... Um, I can't go into the intricacies of all different kinds of fast and hard to fast this morning. Come and talk afterwards. We'll help you. But also, we have a, a booklet... Uh, is it on a prayer point, Christine? On the connect out, of, out the front there that explains the different types of fast for you, and you can look into that, and that will really help you. But I did Daniel fast for a few years, and and that first year it was tough, and the second year it was like a bit easier, and then like by the third year it was a bit like, if I'm being honest, like I'm just going to do it, Daniel because it's quite easy. Do you see what I'm saying? So, I, so I had to sort of break what my routine was to do something fresh, and I just encourage some of you this morning. Maybe you've been doing that. Uh, and, and, and you see, you feel, oh, I want to do something fresh. Why don't you try something different this year when it comes to fasting? But Jesus himself used the metaphor of starving ourselves and feeding on him in John 6. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. You see, the bread that Jesus serves is not bread to fill us temporarily for a moment. Now, he's speaking to a crowd who are actually expecting him to feed them again on the back of a previous miracle that Jesus had done, the feeding of the 5,000. He's like, look, you're looking for a quick lunch. I am going to give you something far better. What I'm going to give you is food that will last you forever. Yeah. The bread that he serves... It fills us forever. It's not earthly bread. It's not food. It's not food that runs out. And we're hungry again a few hours later. But the bread that Jesus serves. A relationship with him. Feasting on him. Jesus said, feast on me. His word, it lasts forever. And this is what we do when we fast. We say, God, I'm not seeking the temporary. I choose to seek the eternal. God, I'm not going after the world. I'm going after you. God, I'm not going after my own whims and my own fantasies. I want to be on your plan for my life. So we deny ourselves of earthly fulfillment for a moment to be filled in a unique spiritual way. I want to tell you a couple of things that fasting isn't. The first thing is this, fasting isn't starving yourself. It's not the, the New Year diet plan. And I think some of us were looking forward to, to losing a few pounds on the, on the, on the fast. It's not about that. It's not starving yourself. I've done fasts, I'll I'll be completely honest with you, at times where I've just not eaten. But when we fast, we want to pray and fast. That's why they go hand in hand. It can't just be not eating. Because there's probably lots of days through the year where you don't eat because you've not got time and you only eat one meal a day or whatever it may be. It's the time when we intentionally turn up the notch as we seek God. And the lack of food helps us to do that. So it's not starving ourselves. The other thing is this, and I've heard it said at times, it's not twisting God's arm. Oh, I'm going to fast so I get the Ferrari. Most of us would be about three stone if that was the case. I'm going to fast so I can get the, the house. I'm going to fast so I can get the job. You're not fasting to, you're fasting to see what God wants. Now, there's times when we fast and we say, God, I need direction in my job. God, I need breakthrough in my finances. God, I need breakthrough in this area. So we fast. And we seek him for the answer and the solution. But we don't fast to twist his arm. None of us can get God by the arm. Like Paul, I'm sure Paul, you know, because Paul's in the police, he knows all these tricks. Never come up to Paul, he'll put your arm behind your back and he'll have you up the the wall in a second. (laughs) But that's not what we're doing with God. We're not doing that with God when we fast. It's a deeply spiritual way of increasing the intensity of our prayer. Mm -hmm. And prayer and fasting go hand in hand. Prayer is so powerful, but prayer and fasting combined are an explosive combination. An okay metaphor, and I say okay because I don't think you can full, fully grab some of these things in a, in a metaphor, but an okay metaphor, I believe, for prayer and fasting is like me trying to punch that wall. And I go and punch the wall, and I might get, I might get somewhere punching the wall, I probably hurt myself a bit, but I might get somewhere trying to get through the wall. I believe prayer and fasting is like grabbing a sledgehammer and taking it to the wall. That's what I believe it's like, and that's why I say it's an okay metaphor. It increases the intensity of our seeking God in that moment. I want you to fast as you feel led as well. I don't want you to fast based on what Paul's doing or what Liam's doing or what Christine's doing. Fast as you feel led. There is no condemnation in Christ. There are people in our church who have done thirty-day fast. I can't do three. You fast as you feel led. And that's where there's lots of fasts that can be helpful. And again, go and get the book. That'll be really helpful for you off the connect point near the entrance. But there's no pressure on anyone to do anything. But what I do want you to do is to seek God to what you should fast. Some will fast odd days in a week. Some alternate days. Some will miss a meal a day. Some will do a Daniel fast. And like I said, there's more info on the connect stand about that. As we, you know, I've I've gone through a few practicalities there, but I want to look at 1 Samuel to just have a look at the power of our prayer and fasting. Is that okay? To set the scene, in 1 Samuel 13, King Saul's army have been abandoning him because of fear. They've been running away from him. They're faced with this huge Philistine army, which if you've read your Bible, you'll know a lot about the Philistine army. But it's got 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and soldiers as numerous as the sand on the seashore. That's a lot of soldiers. And, and, and Saul's army are left with 600 men. But not only have his men left him, but we see that the only people with a sword or spear is Saul and his son Jonathan. The army had no weapons. This is a, a, a pathetic group, if we're being honest. They're in a mess. And in chapter 14, we find Saul and his army of 600 hiding under a pomegranate tree. I know that Paul's scared here because we, you don't hide if you're not scared, do you? I know that he's in a mess. I know that he, he's filled with fear and he doesn't know what to do. And we don't want to go into the other things around Paul's, Saul's life at this moment. But he's got this small army with no weapons against this huge army. And his son Jonathan sneaks off. And we pick this account up in verse 6. It says this. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Does that sound like anyone else, by the way? It sounds like his best friend. His soulmate, David. And this year, there's some people, you need to get around good people. Mm -hmm. Do you know that heart, have you ever noticed this? I always find this amazing that heart goes to heart. And that's in a good way, in a negative way as well. You see that heart goes to heart. And these words, it could have been David saying this. I find it so amazing. Verse 7, do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. Jonathan said, come on then we will cross over towards them and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come to, up to us, we will climb up. Because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. They weren't just doing it saying, I'm going to go and do this. I can. No, they went, no, they went to God. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, The Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, Come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer, followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor-bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. They did what they could do. Now listen to what God did. Then panic struck the whole army. Those in the camp and field and those in the outposts and raiding parties, and the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. See, because of Jonathan's faith and his armor-bearer being with him heart and soul, an army of two defeated an army that couldn't be counted. I want you to know today that we're not going to go out with swords tomorrow morning, but what is written in the Old Testament is to show us what can happen in the new, and they are symbols and they're types and shadows of what's to come. And our weapons aren't aren't flesh and blood, but our um, our weapons are prayer, our weapons are fasting, our weapons are the spiritual gifts that God has given us to go and fight with. God's looking for one. He's looking for two who will come together. What does the Bible say? Where two or three are gathered in my name, then I will hear from heaven. Was the one just here? There was two who were together, heart and soul. And they went with the gifts that God had given them. I want you to know today that we're called to fight in the spirit. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3 to 5, it says, For though we live in the world... We don't wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take every captive thought to make it obedient to Christ. See, in and because of Jesus, we no longer have to fight in our own strength. We fight in his strength. So prayer and fasting is how we fight. Prayer and fasting and the Bible are our weapons against evil in our world. Against those who will come against us. We don't fight like the world with our fists. We fight with the power of God. I love that song, this is how I fight my battles. Hands raised. This is how I fight my battles. It's the way we fight in the office. It's the way you fight for your family. It's the way we fight for this country of ours. It's the way we fight for the lost. It's the way we fight for our finances and our blessing. Prayer and fasting is how we fight. Is anybody with me this morning? And when we look at 1 Samuel 14 in light of the New Testament, we see it's teaching us how we prevail through prayer and fasting. So the first thing that we've just looked at Is prayer and fasting is how we fight. The next thing we see is this, that we have to pray with faith. That we have to come to prayer and fasting with faith. Verse 6, Jonathan said to his young armour bearer, come let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps, perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving whether by many or by few. Do you know that it's fear that proves faith? You can't have faith if there's no fear. And maybe people here have been saying, oh, I want to be bold. I want to step out. I want an opportunity to be strong. Well, God will give you the opportunities and you have to choose to step out and do it. It's fear that proves Faith. Without fear, there, there doesn't need to be faith. See, it's easy to, to be filled with faith when there's nothing to fear. But here is Jonathan in a time when his own father is incapacitated by fear. Saying, I have faith that God can do it. I just love how he says, perhaps. Perhaps the Lord will act. Isn't the Bible so real? Like, isn't that us sometimes? Sometimes. What Jonathan was saying, perhaps the Lord can do it. No, he said the Lord can do it, whether by many or by a few, but he said perhaps he lacked. You know, there's never a prayer that goes unanswered. You know that, don't you? But sometimes the answer's no. Perhaps the Lord will act. Isn't that what it's like to step out in faith? Think of Peter when he stepped out of the boat and he took that tentative step. Is that what's going to happen? But Jesus called him, me, so I'm going to go. And then he began to doubt. But if we knew everything that we prayed for would come through, that everything would always work out, it wouldn't require faith. But this word, perhaps, this is the word, this is the voice of faith speaking. Perhaps God will work for us. He's not questioning God's strength. He's not questioning if God can do it. He says, nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or few. What a statement of faith. Our prayers should be filled with this faith, that God cares enough to be bothered, and he is strong enough to save. I want you to know today that God cares so much about you. He he is bothered about you. He sent his one and only son for you. He cares for you. And as well, he is strong enough to save. He is strong enough to save. We don't want to pray prayers that are devoid of faith that focused on our smallness. Remember, we are praying to the God of heaven and earth, a God who moves mountains, the God who opens blind eyes and makes deaf ears here, the God who makes streams through the desert. We need to pray with faith. Let's pray believing for His best. Let's pray believing for more. It's time for us to lift up our eyes to the hills. Come on over your life. Stop thinking small. We, we looked at it last week or the week before when I spoke. The smallness you feel doesn't come from us. It comes from within you. That's what the Bible says. It's Corinthians. We want to lift up our eyes. There's some of you. You need to start dreaming those dreams again. God's stirring you up. It's time to start dreaming again. The next thing is so pertinent for us right now. Look at verse 7. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. Yeah. On the back of Jonathan telling his armor bearer that on the face of it, they were going through to certain death. That's what it looked like. They were pretty much going through to certain death, or at least to be captive. But this man says, his armor bearer, I am with you, heart and soul. When the rest of the army of of abandoned Saul or most of the army of abandoned Saul, this one man says, I am with you, heart and soul. What a friend, what a follower, what unity that this man would say, this in sight of crippling fear for these uh, you know, well-matured warriors. Saul, by the way, the biggest of the big, he stood head and shoulders above the rest, but he was cowering like a baby because it's not what's on the outside that matters. It's the heart. If we can get this spirit in the arena church, the spirit of unity, where we lay down our personal agendas and we say we are together, heart and soul. I want to follow like this. This is how I want to follow. I want this to be the way I follow Christians. As we believe that God's going to transform this area, as we believe for growth this year. Mate, it seems crazy, but I am with you, heart and soul. It might be scary, but I am with you, heart and so, as we come and we pray and we fast together, this is where it gets exciting. Because as hundreds of us come together, heart and soul, behind a vision, to see this area changed, my sledgehammer metaphor becomes even more powerful. Because instead of one sledgehammer, there becomes hundreds of sledgehammers, and that wall comes down in a second. Because we're there together. You might say, Josh, I'm not quite seeing where you're getting all this from. Well, I can take you to Acts 2 if you want. It says they were of one heart and one mind. And God added to their number daily those who were being saved. Where there is unity, God commands the blessing. And I don't say that because I don't think we've got unity. We've got an awesome group here. But God's always wanting us to get better. He's always wanting to turn the notch up again for us to go again, and we live in a world where disunity is sown. We live in a world that can't wait to, be disu- uh, to, to spread disunity, can't wait to separate, because what the enemy does, he, he tries to separate us, he tries to get us on our own, he tries to, you know, pick you on your little thing, oh, well, Josh said this, or the worship team did this, or, no, we're not going to we're not going to disagree and fall out about petty things anymore, are we? This has riddled the church for years. I want you to know that God's heart for the church is to be big. Why? Oh, so that, you know, so that someone can get the acclaim and honour. No. Because people are going to hell. And God wants to save lost people. Do we believe in that this morning? I believe in that. I believe that Jesus wants to save lost people. So if Jesus wants to save lost people, we can't remain small, can we? But... But small thinking has kept churches small. Oh, well, that person did this, or that person said that, or, or I didn't get this opportunity, or I couldn't do that thing. That will keep us small. But God's going to make us big as we lay down our agendas. Do you think that I get everything I want? Do you think the Christian even gets everything he wants? No. No. But if we lay our agendas down and say, God, here I am. Use me, God. We can't complain when we're being used. Oh, God, use me. Oh, I feel a bit used. <laughs> it's true though, isn't it? If we lay ourselves down and say, God, do what only you can do. I'm not going to choose to look to the things that divide. I'm going to choose to look to the one who unites us. And if we agree on Jesus, it's okay. If we agree on the Bible, it's okay. We believe in the Bible here at Arena Church. We believe everything that's written in it. So if you are going to fall out with us about that, I'll fall out with you about that. Yeah. I won't fall out with you, but I'll disagree with you. Yeah. That's another thing. You don't have to fall out. You can disagree. Yeah. And if it's about Jesus, I'll disagree you on that. But if it's anything else, you can disagree with me about the worship, about, about my messages, whatever it may be. But it doesn't mean we need to fall out. It's time for us to lay down our own things. It's time for us to lay down our own agendas and say, God, do what only you can do. I am with you, heart and soul. And here's the last thing we see. that prayer and bold action go hand in hand. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. They didn't just have this idea, they didn't just pray the prayer they acted on it. They acted on it. Climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Yeah. Jonathan climbed. By the, in, I've never noticed that. Isn't that quite interesting? He doesn't say he's given them into my hands. Mm-hmm. He's given them into the hands of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. See, God-centered prayer always leads to action. It always leads to action. Faithful prayer, being together heart and soul, always culminate in the people of God being motivated to action as God leads. Our prayer and fasting, it can't just stay as nice words. It must manifest itself in our world as we go and take the ground we have asked God for. See, bold prayers don't stay in our bedroom or our lounge, or our church, they come to reality as we walk into the world, as God leads us, and as God guides us, as we pray for that workplace. We ask God to give us the strength, the boldness, and the courage to take action that he's calling us to. And then when you get in there and someone says, what did you do Sunday when you get there tomorrow? You have to say, I went to church. (laughs) We get opportunities every single day. We also get opportunities to fudge it. I'm excited about the church who will pray bold prayers and take courageous action. I'm excited about the church who will stand up and have the faith to follow through on the prayers that we pray. I'm excited about a church who will get passionate about their generation, about the lost and the broken and the hurting. We need some people who will say, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into our hands. There are some people here today, I know this, and God is going to give you your workplace. He's going to give you your family. He's going to give you your village and your town as you pray in faith, as you come in unity and you go with bold action. The Lord has given them into our hands. Is that for anybody today? Is that for your family? The Lord has Come on, give me a wave if that's for you. The Lord's given them into our hands. Oh, God, Lord, we've been praying for years. I know there's people here, that have been praying for years. For family and for friends and for towns and for cities and for workplaces. God, I pray in this season that you would lay on our hearts, God, a burden, Lord, again. You have given them into our hands, Lord. I pray, God, you would open doors, you would give us opportunities. But, God, you would give us the courage to follow through on the opportunities. My God, come on. If that word just resonates with